Well, amen. I'm glad that uh, this event happened this weekend. It was a good introduction for my, uh, my younger two to uh, be a part of the church and be part of the youth ministry that's going on. Just a couple of things uh, here before we jump in. Uh, just as Chandra said, uh, both Chandra and uh, Zach and Carter on the drums pulled double duty this weekend. I mean, I give you a lot of credit. I don't know if Zach could have like, gotten more excited on the platform, but uh, I can guarantee you I would not have been that excited if I'd been uh, not sleeping for the last two days. So uh, they've done a great job. And listen, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Because I'm going to ask you to clap again here in just a second. Um, I know Chandra last week, she spent a lot of time in the service, rightfully so, uh, really thanking a lot of people. And uh, this has been, you've been on an interesting journey as a church, and I guess what I want to say is it's not over. We're still on an interesting journey. I'm excited to be a part of that. But uh, there's so many people that have stepped into the gap uh, over the last year plus, and uh, you need to be commended. Uh, in particular, I do want to talk about three people, uh, and I hope you don't understand, and I can use the excuse that I don't know everybody yet, so if I leave anybody out, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Chandra, Zach, and Courtney. Uh, Courtney leads our children's kids ministry, and she's done an exceptional job through COVID, and listen, COVID's made nothing easy for anybody, and to try to continue to invest in people's lives digitally uh, when that's not been your primary way to do it, has been a tremendous challenge for so many people. Courtney's done a fantastic job. Zach uh, is just doing a phenomenal job, and I'm excited to, to be working with him. And Courtney, or I'm sorry, Chandra as well. I think we all agree Chandra uh, is an amazing, amazing woman. Her husband, wherever he is, should be amening really, really loud right now. Where is Paul? But uh, would you join me in thanking these three individuals in particular for the work that they've done? Yep. And if there's anything I've learned about Chandra, she loves to be thanked. So make sure you do it about 20 more times. She just absolutely loves it. Uh, yeah, so next, next week is our formal installation Sunday, so uh, I get installed as your, I guess I'm not your pastor yet, I don't know, but uh, I don't get installed until next Sunday, and uh, so when we do that, we're, we'll spend a little bit more time, my family will be up here on the platform with me, and uh, our district superintendent, Dave Bartley, will be with us, installing us, there's going to be another kind of cool thing that we're going to be able to do uh, next week as well, so I really want to encourage you to be here for that, we're going to have a a great service next week, but uh, this Sunday, let's just jump right in. Can we do that? I am going to ask you to stand again, if you would. I want to read for you John chapter 15. John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I pray that you would use it to speak to our hearts, speak to my heart today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm not going to sing for you today, but there's that old song, Joy, Joy. I got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart. So, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Uh, one year ago, literally almost, almost to the week, uh, the entire world just kind of got turned upside down. Uh, the church world changed overnight, and for the most part, this pandemic threw everybody for a loop. The church world, the rest of the world, everybody. And uh, let me pause to say again, I've gone back. There's this little thing called Facebook where you can go back and you can kind of see activities. And once you put something on Facebook, you can always go back. Or Facebook has this wonderful habit of reminding you things. Uh, and uh, I snooped. And uh, you guys handled this really, really well. When all of this kind of came to the forefront last March. Your leadership stepped up, stood, stood in the gap, did everything that they could to continue to help the mission of the church to move forward. So uh, you need to be applauded for that. You really stepped up to the plate. That, that being said, it was still really, really hard. Uh, after the first month or two, everybody, I think, this church I'm sure experienced it, the church I was serving in Wisconsin experienced it, all churches experienced it. Just the strain of the disconnect. There was a disconnect happening. Now at first, those first few weeks where we were all online, everybody was all in, right? I mean, you even, you even tuned in like when the service was actually happening on Facebook. And everybody was participating and it was great. We're all in this together. But then as the weeks began to kind of tick by and then the months began to tick by, it just became very, very clear that there was a disengagement there was a disconnection taking place. And it was hard. It was hard. All of that happened, and then June came. Um, I personally have never known racial tension uh, in my life, like I experienced even in my own community that I lived in. During the month of June and the months that followed, people took to the streets. Uh, people took sides. And I think predictably, people also took to social media. And uh, at this incredible juncture, this time, when the church had become so dependent to being online and trying to connect online, I think it became painfully clear how disconnected we actually were becoming. As the body of Christ, I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church, big C, okay? We'd become really, really disconnected. I watched, and, and I'm sure you did too, um, Words that were posted in anger that didn't unite followers of Jesus Christ, but actually just divided us 
magnified those divisions, all for the watching world to see. Now, you add to that the political rhetoric. Aren't you excited? This is really encouraging, isn't it, my, my first sermon? If you're not familiar with the, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, in my last church, 12 and a half years ago, they were in a, a series in the book of Acts, and so my very first Sunday, I had to preach on Ananias and Sapphira. If you're not familiar with that story, we won't recap it right now, but uh, that was the first sermon in my last church. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. Uh, there's political rhetoric, there's civil unrest, uh, even families, families of believers who were dividing pretty radically over political differences and all kinds of different stuff. And so here, here we are, right here, about a year later, finding ourselves uh, as the church. So here's the question. How is your joy? How is your joy today? Let's check in. As the church, uh, what we see and what we're going to see on this check-in Sunday is that your joy is going to be directly related to your connectedness. Your joy is going to be directly related to your connectedness. Now, really quickly, uh, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but a lot of times when we think of joy, we think of happiness. Okay? Happiness is an emotion. Uh, it's an expression, uh, and, it, and it's great. But happiness is generally linked to external situations. So if you ask me today, hey, Rich, are you happy to be in Portage? Yeah, I'm happy to be in Portage. I mean, it's, you know, it's meeting some of my expectations. I'm excited, so I'm, I'm happy. Joy is different. They're similar, but they're different. Joy speaks to something a little bit deeper. It means that I'm, I have a contentment and a peace and an exuberance that exists whether the circumstances around me dictate my happiness should or shouldn't happen. So it's something else. It's a settled that's in you that gives you this abiding peace. That's, that's joy. That's joy. So let's check in. How is our joy today? Because it means that if we are experiencing a lack of biblical joy in our lives, it probably has less to do with the circumstances around us, but more to do with our connectedness. Our connectedness. So, is it possible that if you and I have joy that's just a little bit off today, there might be something that's wrong with our connection that we need to address? So Shelly and I met um, Shane and Kathy Patterson yesterday. And uh, if you don't know Shane and Kathy, Shane and Kathy run our life groups in the church. They, they direct that. But they also direct the uh, community garden that's across the street, Right? There, there we go. It's, it's right there. That's where it is. So they direct the community garden. That's right over there. I'm super excited about learning and seeing how that's used as a kingdom vehicle for this church to be able to impact people in this region for Christ and, and love and serve people. I'm super excited about that. That being said, uh, when it comes to gardening, there's kind of a clear reason why you go play in the dirt. There's, I mean, you're, you do that so that you receive something. You, you do that and you spend that time in that garden so that something happens. That's why I garden. I garden to grow tomatillos and poblanos and serranos and some cilantro and onions and garlic. And you roast all that stuff up and make some really good salsa verde and chili verde. So that's, that's why I garden. Okay? But the reality is, is if you spend all that time doing all that stuff, if you spend all that time in the garden doing any of that, and you don't really expect anything out of the garden, you're just playing in the dirt. That's really all that you're doing. So, 
here's the deal. If, if it's not the goal for the fruit, what is the goal? When Jesus speaks of the vine and he speaks of the branches, he points to fruit. Or more specifically, he points to the absence of fruit. It's actually what he's doing as the indicator of our connection with him. How's our connection? It's going to be seen in our fruit. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, he really spells this out. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says against those things, there's no law. There's no law against those things. So the question, in, in light of what you see there in that passage, how is, how's your patience today? That's my big one, if you were wondering. How's your, how's your self-control? How's your joy? How is your joy today? Because your fruit, which includes joy, indicates the health of your connection. It's important to note, I think, that Jesus did not say, I am, I am a vine. Like, there's multiple vines that are out there. I'm a vine. He didn't just say, um, I'm one of the vines. Hey, there's a bunch of vines you should be clinging to, and I'm one of those, so make sure you include me in the bunch. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I am the true vine, which to me means that if we're grafting ourselves onto vines that are not him, we're going to produce fruit that is not godly. We're going to produce things that God never designed us for things that will actually steal our joy. If there's one thing that's become clear to me as a pastor over this last year is how easily we, how easily I can disconnect and then graft myself onto other vines. Um, Vines that disciple me more by my newsfeed than by the word of God. Echo chambers, all of those different things that begin to feed us instead of the simple words of a Savior who is willing to die for us. We seek out all these other different things, all of it resulting in the opposite of joy. So fruit that Jesus never designed for us to bear. If you spend any time in the Old Testament, what you see is there's actually there's numerous times that the nation of Israel is referred to as a vine. God's, these are God's chosen people. They're referred to as a vine. In fact, right in the temple back then, there was a 90-foot golden vine that had been erected in the temple, and that was there to remind the people of Israel that God had designated them to bear godly fruit. Their, their responsibility and their opportunity as the chosen people of God were to, to live in this world and bear fruit that represented who God was, his character, his nature. It's this incredible responsibility. That vine was there. And you see it in in places like Psalm uh, chapter 80. It says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations. You planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root, filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So God had delivered them. He brought them out in the Exodus. He brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. He brought them. He put them in their own land. And he did that for a reason. But if you look at the Old Testament over and over and over again, it's just cyclical. It's like my life. It's just, it just it's cyclical. Over and over, they catch themselves, and God catches them not producing godly fruit. Instead, it, it looks a lot like life sometimes in the 21st century for the church. We start chasing things. Um, 
We get distracted. Then we become disconnected. Disconnected from the source. Disconnected from each other. The Israelites chased after and grafted themselves to other gods. They were more wrapped up in the created than they were the creator. Jeremiah 2.21 says, Yet I planted you. I planted you. This is a choice vine. I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? So here, we, here it is. In, in Jesus' declaration, he says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. He is stating that where the people of Israel failed to produce fruit, he would. He would. Though Israel failed to be a blessing to all the earth, Jesus would do that now. And in that one sentence, I am the true vine, he announces that he is the brand new planting of God. And what that means is if you are sitting here today and you profess a faith in Jesus Christ, that is the vine that you are grafted to. You are a branch connected to that vine, Jesus Christ. So how is your fruit? How is your joy? And before we go on, I want to make sure that you're not hearing what I'm not saying. First of all, and I really want, I struggled with this a little bit as I was even last night going over my notes. I want to make sure you understand. I, I empathize. I think this, this whole last year has been a challenge for everybody. And some of you have suffered some significant things uh, because of COVID, because of all kinds of different things this last year. There's been job loss. There's been family loss. There's been all kinds of different things. I want you to know I'm, I'm not minimizing any of that. Um, Sometimes when we come to a passage like this, the focus on a passage like this is sometimes you need to be producing more fruit. You should be producing more fruit, more spiritual fruit. John 15, 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Okay, that seems a little harsh, all right? That sounds a bit like, hey... You better get your rear in gear and start actually producing more fruit. Because if you don't, you know, it, it kind of gets hot. And Rich, if we know anything about you, you don't like to sweat. So don't, don't, you need to produce more fruit. And so that's kind of the message we get sometimes from a passage like this, which is really sad because it's a misdirection. That's not what this passage is about. Um, that's also why we're having this check-in Sunday when we are right now, almost a year into the pandemic. Fruit, the fruit of my life, the fruit of your life, is a symptom. It's a revealer of something else. That's all that it is. That's all that it is. This is not about you producing more fruit. This verse isn't even about you producing better fruit. This verse is about abiding. This is about your connection. The fruit, if I'm understanding this right, if, I, if I'm willing to abide in Christ and have that connection be the strongest connection in my life, this other stuff, it, it's a byproduct. It happens. It happens as a result of that connection. This is, this is a little personal to me, and uh, Chandra knows this. I shared this with her. I shared this with the staff uh, this last week, but uh, when I came to faith in Christ at the end of my senior year of high school, 
I had no Bible knowledge, really. I didn't, I didn't have any church experience, really, at all. And then uh, within a year, found myself on the campus of a Christian college studying for ministry. Um, yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. And so uh, in the midst of that, though, in the early 90s, was a part of what most people would call the church growth movement. We're going to grow our churches. We're going to grow, 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 grow. And so immediately, here I am, this baby Christian. I mean, if you would have told me there's 250 books in the Bible, I would have said, yeah, it's pretty big. I think that's probably right. I, I did not know anything. But immediately I showed up, and the goal was, hey, you're going to be a pastor. You're on this Christian campus. We need to grow our churches. Let's teach you how to produce. All right, be fruitful. All right, Rich, learn this, learn that. Here's this great movement over here. Here's this program over here. Here's all this stuff that you need to do and you need to learn. Also that you can produce, produce, produce. And somewhere in my mind, a little switch, because I'm a type A guy and I got a list for everything. And I'm, I like projects and I like plans and I like all that kind of different stuff. And so if you give me a list and I can check those things off, I'm super excited. Super excited. So I'm, I'm ready to go. All right, teach me. Let's produce. Let's produce. And somewhere a switch went off in my brain, and I was convinced in my mind that disciples' main job is to produce. And I want to tell you, there's been many times since the early 90s, even as a pastor, that I've suffered the consequences of trading out discipleship for production, where I've thought that my main responsibility, my main job, not just as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus, was to somehow crank out stuff, to somehow produce. And you can almost know exactly what happens in those moments. The branch starts creaking in the wind. And the reality is, is not enough time has been spent abiding. And the fruit that I can produce, some of it might be kind of nice, but it is not the fruit that God intends and it does not last. The goal of Jesus talking to his disciples right here is not to produce more fruit. Fruit will come. It's to abide. It's to abide. It's a really, really important word. Translated, abide means remain. It kind of gives this picture of you're setting up a tent. You're pitching your tent and you're going to camp there. You're going to remain. You're going to stay. You're going to make your residence there. The Rich Doring translation, connect. You're going to connect, okay? Now, average people, average Christians, I think, in today's culture, where there's just a lot of consumer Christianity, uh, I think the natural tendency is to live a disconnected life. We, we like to connect when things, you know, look the way that we want them to look or sound the way that we want them to sound. That's, that's fun. But, but generally speaking, average Christians today live disconnected lives, disconnected to a certain extent from Christ, but also disconnected from the body, one another, okay? Um, not really giving themselves over to spiritual disciplines, different things like that. Now, from the interactions that I've had so far with you guys, um, the prayers that have been shared, the conversations that I've been privileged to have in the last couple of weeks, it is clear to me that you all desire more than just a casual faith. Real lifers are not Average. I almost said real lifers aren't normal. So, uh, so neither am I. So, hey, we're going to be all right. But, but real lifers aren't average, and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. We should not settle. 
for less than abiding. As your pastor, and it sounds really good to be able to say that, as your pastor, I've known that one of our greatest challenges, because this is a universal challenge right now, as we come out of this last year, is going to be to help us connect to one another and reconnect solidly to the source of life, to our one true source, the true vine, but also to one another, to Christ's body. Would it be okay to say maybe we've been a little disconnected from each other over the last year? Okay. Hey, you can't say the name of our church is real life if you're not going to get real every once in a while, all right? So we've become a little disconnected, a little disconnected. Jesus did not speak. He didn't say, I'm a vine and you're a branch. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whether you like it or not, we're all in this together, okay? We're not independent branches. But here's the deal. The weaker my connection to the vine, the more I live a single branch kind of a life and not as branches. And my life is going to lack something. I can guarantee it. It's going to lack full joy in those moments. And as your pastor, I am already jealous for you. I want you to experience full joy, the kind of joy that Jesus talks about in this passage. As your pastor, I can tell you that it comes only when you abide fully in Christ and make that your primary focus, your biggest focus. So I just want to challenge you really briefly this morning. Uh, That was my introduction. Just kidding. We're almost done. Uh, I want to challenge you this morning as we move forward together. Abiding is a choice. It is a choice. You choose to abide or you choose not to. Um, I tend to make things more complicated than they should be. This is really simple. You're either choosing to do it or you're not. It's not something that the church can do for you. Okay? Uh, we can, and this has been incredible this morning. Uh, I mean, we can produce, you know, ex- incredible worship experiences. We can do all those things, but that's not going to make you abide. That's not even going to grow you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. You are as close to Jesus right now as you choose to be. Because ultimately it becomes your responsibility to make that choice to abide or not. Um, I know that this has been a difficult year. I know that this has been a season of change for the church. And again, I commend you on how you've handled everything. From a pastoral transition to your patience with us. For those of you who may not know, uh, we're living two different households right now. uh, My family. And I appreciate your patience with that. It was interesting that we entered into this conversation about me being the pastor of this church in September, the beginning of the school year. I have a senior in high school, a junior in high school, and my wife is a high school teacher. And so in the conversation with the church board and leadership, you know, we started talking. If this does move forward, you know, is there some grace here? And you guys have been, and I pray will continue to be very gracious over the course of the next four months. My family's going to be here on the weekends as much as they possibly can. Um, and, uh, but we have a house in Racine and jobs and finishing school. And then I'm here. Uh, I will probably spend a lot of late nights in the office getting a whole lot of stuff done. And then my wife will have to break me of that habit in June when they move here. But, uh, uh, I appreciate that graciousness. Uh, that being said, you guys have handled this pastoral transition very, very well. 
uh, I'm proud of you, and COVID, and, and a million things in between. That said, I know what my tendencies are. And in my more vulnerable moments, my temptation is to disconnect. That's my temptation. Uh, if you're like me, it's not that you've disconnected fully from Christ. That's not the issue. The issue becomes when the wind starts blowing, when some external thing starts happening, man, that branch starts to creak, okay? And you realize that connection has not been as strong as maybe you thought it was. And you're running the risk of becoming that broken branch when COVID hits or when a family member says something on Facebook and you're just like, please, Lord Jesus, just show up now. <laughs> you know, all those different moments, all of a sudden that branch starts creaking because maybe the connection wasn't as strong as we needed it to be. We've been choosing to actively abide. And obviously abiding begins when you make a profession of faith in Christ. You're, you're a branch, you're attached to that vine, there it is. But it's a daily decision too. It's a decision to wake up and say, you know, Lord, I'm going to face a bunch of stuff, but I abide in you today. Your words abide in me. And I, I am determined today that I, you will find me as a fruitful branch because I'm going, to, I'm going to cling to you like nobody's business. I'm going to do that today. Even, I mean, and, and you can do all kinds of different things. In that, uh, that handout that you've got there at the bottom of that, there's just a few suggestions, uh, practically speaking, uh, about how you can choose to connect. You can jump in a life group. Uh, you can jump in a men's or a women's group. You can jump into a ministry opportunity. Things are ramping up in the church as far as uh, children's ministry and other opportunities and activities to serve. So be looking for those. You can jump into those. Those are different ways that you can choose to continue to connect more and more and more. And I want to encourage you to do that. But choosing to take a step is just the beginning because, and here's kind of the painful reality of this, Abiding also means pruning. Abiding also means pruning. John 15, 2, it says it. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, so if you're bearing fruit today, every branch that does bear fruit, he actually comes along and prunes you too. He prunes you too that you can bear more fruit. So if there's one thing that I've learned, is that the closer I get to Christ in my life, the more obvious it is that I need to be more like Christ in my life. And there are things that he needs to snip away so that I can bear more fruit, that I can bear better fruit. Uh, in southeast Wisconsin, where we moved here from, uh, we had the privilege of knowing several uh, individuals who had apple orchards. It was just kind of a big thing in southeast Wisconsin, apple orchards. And we had a couple of guys in the church that had apple orchards. And it was, a, it was a fun experience to learn about all of that. It's high maintenance. But um, uh, every year, if you want to have the most productive branches and you want to have the best yield, you prune that tree. It's a non-negotiable. You have to do it every single year. Uh, and you do it because, and I want you to see if there aren't any spiritual correlations here. Because unproductive unyielding branches crowd out light and in that darkness pests and disease can breed if there's too many unproductive parts of the branch unproductive branches unyielding branches 
begin to restrict access to the good fruit that is available. They're crowded out because of the bad stuff that's going on. Unproductive branches, those things take nutrients that could be going to the fruit, to the production of better fruit. So the question, I mean, these are so easy, these, these correlations. Is there anything in your life right now that is crowding out the light? Is there anything in your life right now that is in the way and it's causing there an opportunity for something to begin to grow that God never intended for you? And because it's there, that peace, that full joy experience, it's not all the way there. Is there something there? creating that environment where something else might take hold? Is there anything that restricts access to good fruit in your life? Anything that if it was pruned away would free you to produce more and better fruit for the kingdom? Abiding is a choice. And it's a choice that does lead to pruning. But I can guarantee you, as hard as it is to to deal with some of that pruning, it does produce joy. It does produce joy. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain this other than you kind of have to experience it. Um, it produces joy because nothing, nothing is more satisfying, more full than a life that's lived out of the flow of abiding in Christ. There's nothing better. Seeing the fruit of your life come from something that's so much more than who you are <laughs> uh, and, and experiencing a peace in your life that is something that only God can do. And I know that this church is full of stories. I've already started hearing them and collecting them. I collect stories, uh, other people's stories. I love to hear people's stories. And there's a ton of stories of people in this church who you know today that your response to situations, your actions, your words, your thoughts are a million times different than they would have been years ago had you not been abiding in Christ daily and allowing him to transform you from the inside out to produce this good fruit. There is a true full joy found in living a life producing the fruit that can only come from Christ. Living beyond yourself, but not just that. Being able to live free and unrestricted by the drain of the things in your life that are fruit suckers. Everybody say fruit suckers. You can do better. Fruit suckers. Okay. I really like that word. Um, Going back to that apple tree, they produce the same thing that a whole lot of other fruit trees produced and flowering trees, uh, suckers. So you can see them, uh, usually there's a bunch of shoots coming out like at the bottom of the trunk, and they're just like these branches that are coming out of the ground right there. Sometimes they actually grow out of branches too, and they're just these really young, quickly growing, rapidly growing shoots that come out. And what it is, is those are not going to produce any fruit, but what they're doing is they're actually sucking the nutrients from the fruit-producing branches and channeling it into their own interests. What's really interesting about, and, and a good gardener, a good, a good, you know, person who wants that, tr- that tree to produce fruit, they have to deal with those suckers consistently, but they also have to deal with them quickly before they just begin to really destroy a tree and its fruitfulness. What's really interesting about this is a lot of times those suckers, they grow from damaged parts where the bark has been damaged, 
That's why you see them a lot around the base of a tree because somebody will ride a lawnmower and you know, bang it up and stuff. And all of a sudden in those wounded areas, suckers begin to emerge that begin to drain the life out of the rest of the tree and steal joy. That's a whole other sermon, okay? A whole other sermon. But here's the deal. I want you to know today that there is freedom. There is joy in abiding and pruning and finding yourself connected. Finding yourself connected. So I just want to challenge you. The, the worship team's going to come back up. We're going to close with a song today. Um, I just want to challenge you as we begin this journey together. Hopefully you and I are on this long obedience together. As we do this in the same direction, we need to throw off anything in our lives that hinders us from abiding fully in Christ, allowing that to take place. And so let's check in together as a church. Let's check in. Okay? Your joy is going to be directly tied to your connectedness. Let's connect to each other, to Christ, and then let's see what he produces in and through us. Would you stand? Let me pray for us. Father, as we've looked at your word today, I pray that you would challenge us, challenge me. Father, I know that uh, pruning will never end. That there will always be opportunity, Father, to allow you to take things from my life that uh, don't produce fruit. Or, Father, that produce fruit that doesn't last and doesn't glorify you. Father, we as a church come before you today. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only reason we're even standing here. So would you help us, Father, cling tightly to your Son. And as we do, Father, help us to let go and allow him to cling tightly to us so that in him, Father, we might have full, full joy. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's